A wonderful good morning, everyone. My name is Chris Marquardt. And with me, as usual, on this little north and south-themed podcast is Henry Pohlwolf. Uh, hello, how are you? I am really fine. How are you? That is great. I'm doing great, too. Um, yeah, we're, we'll talk about more... Uh, well, it's kind of north, north heavy, this podcast, but um, that probably has... I would has say it's due to the Arctic summer. Yeah, the Arctic summer is an important time uh, in the Arctic, especially um, for, well, for, for everything, for research, for tourism, for, um, for the wildlife, for everyone uh, who is involved with it. So it's kind of natural that we concentrate on the northern parts of the world uh, for a while. And uh, we've done so for <laughs> for the last few episodes. The Northwest Passage was the last one, the one before that. Still, high, high, high recommendation if you haven't listened to it. Our Whiskey War episode. I still, I still, I'm still laughing tears <laughs> just thinking of it. Um, and of course, if you want to contact us, uh, the best way to do that is on our Twitter account. We have uh, the Twitter account Curiously Polar. So send us some info, or if you go to curiouslypolar.com, then you can find our email addresses to get in touch directly, and as many of you have already done. And um, we um, are also available, or this podcast is also available on your podcast app of choice, wherever you get your other podcasts. Just put Curiously Polar in the search box and you will find us. So enough of the housekeeping, let's get into this episode. And uh, if you read the title, Cruise Ships to the North Pole, what does that, what, what about cruise ships to the North Pole? Is there something like tourism going directly to the North Pole? There, there is North Pole tourism. Um, very limited though, because you need um, certain equipped ships, like big icebreakers. And so far, the only icebreakers able to go there are the Russian icebreakers and um, they are the, the nuclear icebreakers uh, from Russia. They are heavily equipped to go there. They are um, vastly independent. And by that, the space going up to the North Pole is very, very limited. But this is going to be changing due to also the changes of the uh, Arctic region itself, but also due to the amount of new ships going into service in the near future. And that's what this podcast is about. So, new new ships going into future, uh, going into service in the future that are equipped to go to the North Pole. Some few will be um, when we talk about numbers in uh, two thousand and nineteen. So, the current year, uh, thirteen new vessels will be launched um, with an additional twenty eight um, vessels um, wow. until twenty twenty two. So, in the next three years. Uh, that's quite a huge amount, um, and some of them will have a certain polar class to go further into the ice, and uh, that also raises a lot of questions, and this is something um, I would love to talk to you about. Okay, so, um, I mean, the, the, the there are always areas in the world that are uh, so difficult to get to that they attract a certain kind of, uh, certain kinds of people. And I think the North Pole is definitely one of them, because um, not a lot of people can say that they have been to the North Pole. That's so, the, so, so I see two 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 developments here. First, the ice is kind of going away, and we've seen in the recent past that 
all the or that some of the assumptions that the researchers and the scientists have had about the speed of development there were wrong or at least not exactly correct because the melting i think hap is happening faster than expected so yeah. there's there's one area where the arctic sea ice is getting less and less and uh, then the other the other development where uh, more companies are beginning to discover that as a as a destination for more or less adventurous people that's true so um when we just take the current situation then there is um just basically one operator who operates ships going into um into that area who, which are capable of uh, dealing with the ice conditions the, the russian nuclear icebreakers but then um having a look also on very recently published um studies from from nasa uh, saying that the sea ice has no chance of um, growing over years as it used to uh, makes also the Arctic Ocean much easier accessible than in uh, former years. So you don't have to break through four, five meter thick sea ice, but uh, one to two meter thick sea ice. So it's a different, uh, a different um, experience. So so far, when you would like to go to the North Pole, um, you can go through different agents and agencies um, which are booking onto the, uh, those nuclear icebreakers. But those nuclear icebreakers, there are no luxury vessels. So it's really um, basic, rudimentary. You pay uh, a lot of money for going there, and um, that's the only chance. So there is no other tourist um, way to go so, there. Uh nuclear icebreaker just just to clarify that term is an icebreaker that instead of having diesel on board uh, is using a nuclear a small nuclear reactor to power the ship is that correct indeed yes it is okay. yes that kind of scares me just the thought of that so, yeah i mean uh, you are basically traveling with a nuclear power plant yeah. So this is something you have to be aware of. This is uh, a technology which uh, in, in some parts of the country is considered not to be safe enough. We, um, we're not able to control that properly. And uh, oh, you es are... Especially think, thinking of uh, that thing going to the North Pole, which is, a which is still a very dangerous environment, even though some of the ice is melting. But um, that is a, a, a hazardous environment for a ship. So the chances of a ship to have an accident there and, and maybe sink even is probably bigger than in other places of the world. And it just <laughs> feels weird. On the one hand, blowing out a lot of diesel through your chimney is, uh, is not really what I want to happen. But uh, the nuclear side with an accident that would maybe have, a, have an impact on the environment for hundreds or thousands of years is kind of even more scary for me. That's that's for sure. Um, I mean, you have to see the pros and the cons. And the pro is the Russians really know how to build icebreakers. So so far, there hasn't been um, a severe incident with an icebreaker uh, being ripped off and sinking. So, so they, there are they no have... icebreakers on the on the sea sea floor under the the North Pole. Not to my knowledge, mm -hmm. but uh, if someone's out there knowing better, please uh, correct me here. Um, what you just mentioned is a, a valid point when you have diesel propulsion you have a lot of um, emissions which is settling on the ice which is also accelerating the meltdown of the ice so we have something to consider there and uh, the nuclear uh, powered icebreakers 
they of course have very limited uh, emissions due mm -hmm. to the uh, propulsion system. So it is um, a cleaner way to travel there. But then on the other hand, as you said, if something happens, then um, the impact would be even larger, even bigger. I mean, I'm just I'm just uh, thinking of Chernobyl and comparable things that happened. Yeah, yeah. So the most uh, famous one is uh, the 50 years of uh, victory, which uh, is in service since 2007. That's a Russian icebreaker of the oh, Arctic class. Is that the name? 50 years of victory. Yes, 50 let Polarby in uh, mm -hmm. in Russian uh, translates into 50 years of victory. And that's the most famous one. Um, that's the one who's going to the North Pole pretty much every year with uh, tour tourists. Uh, the second one being uh, Yamal. It's the same class, Arctica class. Um, so they actually are the ones which are the most uh, common pictures um, online when you see pictures about uh, reaching the, the North Pole. But as I said, they are very basic um, from their capacity, so you don't really have much of um, luxuries amendments there. So it's really um, something you have to agree to spending a lot of money, but then accepting the very limited uh, facilities on board. It's it is, not made for tourism. It is adventurous. It is adventurous, definitely. Yes. But this is going to be changing since... Um, uh, the French cruise ship operator Ponant has just announced uh, that his um, icebreaker, uh, cruise cruise ship icebreaker, is um, set to launch in spring 2021 already. So it's in two oh, years wow. from now. And uh, I mean, I'm I'm not really uh, sure if they can keep that timing. Um, when we just yeah look at all those new builds. They all have um, a delay, sometimes a large delay. Hüttegruten is over a year late with the new World Amundsen ship. Um, the same goes for World Explorer um, and so on and so on. You have a lot of ships um, in the making and they all are delayed. Non, not a single ship is on time. So that's uh, something you have to consider. So it might be not spring 2021, but probably um, summer or autumn. Hmm. Probably a year later. It doesn't really matter. Are they delaying because they just can't get it done in time? Or are they delaying because the, the ice hasn't melted? I mean, this is cynical, but uh, because the ice hasn't melted yet. No, it usually is, uh, is a technical thing, a technical okay. issue in, in the shipyards. It's not because of not getting it done, but our technology is constantly changing. And uh, when you see that the this new icebreaker, um, which Ponon is building, um should be propelled by uh, a hybrid between uh, liquefied natural gas and batteries, so electric mm -hmm. um, propulsion, that we have technology there, which, uh, of course, um, needs to be up-to-date um, to keep the ship as long as possible out in the water and not in the shipyard. So they are delaying here to get the newest high-end technology in there. Okay. And that's something you can see with all the ships. So, so that is something positive because, uh, of course, a ship that is built now with the latest technologies, especially hybrid and LNG as a fuel, are a lot, lot cleaner than some of the older ships which burn diesel. Um, so that is a good thing. But then on the other end, I mean... Building a ship like that is a major investment. So this is really, really is, expensive. Yes. So, of course, they will be also banking on uh, getting as far north as possible with those ships. So there will certainly be some parts of those companies who 
who will be really happy if more of the ice melts. And that is that's really a big a big contrast here between my emotions. It's uh, not only betting on that. It's also, I mean, um, when you see Pournon, for example, um, the, cru- uh, the the crucial icebreaker they are building, that has uh, the second highest ice class um, you can get in the polar class level. Um, they have a polar class two, what they are aiming for, which basically means. Um, that they can moderate in uh, can operate in moderate multi-year ice conditions. So mm-hmm. this is um, a year-round operational basis in Arctic or in, in polar waters. That that is in, um, an ice class which um, the new built or new to built Coast Guard icebreakers from the United States will have. So this there there is not much ahead of them. So we have a cruise ship which has a similar. Um, capabilities than a search and rescue vessel from the Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. So this is something um, that shows also that this company is not betting on a slow melting Arctic, but using the ship as a, uh, a vehicle to go into remote, um, unpassable areas where nowhere else is able to go especially not on this new technology and in this luxury level. Okay, so that makes me feel a little bit better because they, they, they are banking on, on being able to go out now with the current conditions. Um, so how many ships are there again being built right now that, that will have that kind of a class that will be this advanced? Oh, there are not not many um, ships going out um, with this high polar class. Mm-hmm. So usually, ships um, currently built will have a polar class six to to four. Um, four is already quite high. Um, polar class two is really a, um, that's the game changer, um, to be honest. Okay. So this is really something that military standard is currently in in Arctic waters. The only ones um, having a higher polar class are those nuclear icebreakers so that's okay. a different story so they they are they are offering that in a luxury uh setting which is going to be probably going to be ridiculously expensive it's going to be really expensive i mean Ponon is um, known for having quite a huge standard on uh, on all of their ships they um, just put six new ships of a new class into service. I think they have um, have already into service three of those, and they're expecting three more. Um, they are raising the bar of luxury travel, and they will be the first uh, commercial cruise company operating a ship that's capable of going to the North Pole themselves without having those icebreakers, um, the nuclear icebreakers from Russia. And if you um, see the, the the major differences here is that the crew of the or the crews of the Russian icebreakers they are especially uh, trained for that. They are not um, those are not um, cruise ship crews. They are made for Arctic environments. Uh, they are doing nothing else but that. And when we start operating uh, cruise ships in that area, that will change. So we have um, crews there which are new to the area, which is not a bad thing, but it's something to be considered. We talked about um, the sinking of the uh, MV Explorer in Antarctica uh, a few episodes ago. So that was due to um, unknown um, 
conditions. So the, the captain hasn't been prepared for that. Um, I'm not saying that um, when this ship is going into the north, the captain uh, will be not prepared enough for that. But it is something to be considered. We are talking here about bringing a amount of people, a huge amount of people, into um, conditions. So we are talking about 270 um, passengers bringing into conditions where there's basically not possible to react with search and rescue missions in case something happens. Mm -hmm. which, changes, the, which changes the whole dynamics of things, yeah. It, it does. So um, the, the whole polar code is um, on, the, on the brick here. So we, we have to find um, a way to deal with tourism in that area. It's a very adventurous tourism, and it brings us back to where everything started with the um, explorers of early days. But then on the same time, we have to uh, think about safety first. So when, when we go um, out on cruise ships, the first thing we do is considering all about safety. When we do landings, we consider all about safety. Um, bringing an icebreaker into an area where you basically won't have any chance to be rescued in time then this is changing a lot. So this vessel has to be um, safe enough to be certain that such a case won't be happening. And I just try to um, point your thoughts to uh, ships like Titanic and the Explorer, yes. which have been built for certain environments and uh, they were meant to be unsinkable. And then it still happened. The Titanic was on my mind all the time when you talked about this. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it comes rather automatically. So mm -hmm. there is a, a big um, dispute online um, between journalists and the shipyard, actually. It's a Finnish shipyard, um, which is building uh, this um, icebreaker. And they are actually um, a little bit upset about the um, publicity from current polar um, uh, journalists which are actually saying that this is changing everything because you don't have the capabilities up there and it is always a human factor you have to have um, your security consultants um, you have to have a certain experience the navigators experience is the key of navigating safely through those um, conditions and what happens if you have uh, not enough experience with specific ice conditions is shown in the sinking of um, that Arctic, uh, that, that cruise ship in the Antarctic in 2007 so we have cases already um, we don't need more to uh, stress that do we do we know how much building one of these polar class 2 ships costs um not sure if the prices is, is somewhere published okay no, but I'm, yeah it, it must be in the many millions for sure so uh 2.7 billion, uh, billion norwegian kroners oh. billion norwegian kroners Yeah, we're so doing that's... some Google. Listen to us, Google here. Uh, <laughs> it's almost live. Two point seven billion. I uh, can't do the conversion this quickly. Well, we'll put it in the show notes for sure. So, two point uh, seven billion is uh, two hundred and eighty million euros. Oh, so just uh, that's pocket change, million. right? 
Yeah, that's not too bad. <clears throat> that's not a lot. <laughs> so uh, tourism is going to pick up in the Arctic for sure. And uh, especially the further north you go, the more interesting it's going to be for a lot of people. And uh, I think this was just a little insight into what's coming. And uh, yeah, let's hope that it all goes well. Yeah, there's uh, some more coming up. Yeah, definitely. So we will probably pick up that topic later. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Um, so uh, that was it for episode 58 of Curiously Polar. And uh, as usual, you can reach us on Twitter, on our account Curiously Polar. You can find this podcast wherever you find your other podcasts. So please do subscribe. That's, uh, make sure that you get this for free whenever it comes out in your sleep. And... Uh, Email us, send us your topic in uh, your topic ideas. Again, you will find our contact information on curiouslypolar.com. And uh, we'll be back with another interesting topic in a week from now. Till then, take care.